To Dog Talk and Kitties Too. I'm Tracy Hotchner. I love dogs and cats and the people who care about them. I'm here every week with authors and experts to expand our appreciation and our understanding of the ways that animals are part of our world. To hear other episodes of this show and other informative pet talk radio shows I co-host with top veterinarians and experts, please go to RadioPetLady.com. Dog Talk is a production of Pet Media Inc., which is solely responsible for its content. The Radio Pet Lady Network is partnered with my other enterprise, the Dog Film Festival, which celebrates the remarkable bond between dogs and their people. I'll be taking the festival across the United States, including Washington, D.C., Rochester, New York, Los Angeles, San Francisco, and Phoenix. I hope to see you in East Hampton, New York, on August 2nd, and at the second annual Dog Film Festival in New York City, October 15th. You can find more information at dogfilmfestival.com. This show is brought to you with the generous support of Waruva, a privately owned pet food company that uses people food to make food for cats and dogs in their family's human food facility. Pouches of their cats in the kitchen, their more economical BFF, best feline friend, and all varieties of canned Waruva for cats and little dogs are made with the same care and specifications used to make food for people. Waruva's owners want to feed your pets and their own dogs and rescued kitties, Webster, Rudy, and Vanessa, for whom the company is named, with ingredients that are good enough for people to eat. I have a wonderful international group of people joining me today. The first is going to be Candy Udell. Those of you who live in East Hampton or Up Island, as those of us call it, the other side of the Shinnecock Canal, you know London Jewelers, but you don't know the amazing things this wonderful woman does for dogs. We're going to talk about the Doghouse Project and Cause for Paws Jewelry and many other cool things. Then I'm going to be talking to Jason Hurwitz, who... um, has a new movie, The Dog Wedding. It's pretty hilarious and mixed in with world wrestling. It's most funny combination, and we're going to talk to him about that movie. And then in Australia, I'll be talking to Marta Roca, the creative director of the really extraordinary magazine Four and Sons, which is a totally dog-oriented, design, art, incredible magazine. So Wonderful people with us here today. Candy Udell, welcome to the show. It is so delightful to have you here. Hi, Tracy. Thank you for having me. I'm really honored to be part of this. Well, you know what really I'm thrilled to find out is that someone who is at the helm of one of the, in my view, having lived 23 years in Beverly Hills, one of the absolutely coolest shops anywhere, because London Jewelers isn't just jewelry, it's many beautiful items, that in your other life, or maybe maybe London Jewelers is your fake life, you're doing all these <laughs> things for animals, Candy, and, and one of the coolest things is happening right in Suffolk County that I want to talk about, but to say that I've met you because I have had the privilege of joining the Pet Philanthropy Circle, of which you're a very central part, and it's based in the Hamptons and is the partner of the Dog Film Festival and is going to be throwing an amazing party on July 31st, and you're going to have a trunk show there from London Jewelers of many beautiful things, I hope, but in particular, before we talk about Project Doghouse, Talk a little bit about this line of jewelry you've created that's going to travel with the Dog Film Festival called Cause for Paws. It's such a wonderful idea, 
and something everyone can easily have and do and feel good about. How, how did you get the inspiration for it? My inspiration came from when I was starting to rescue dogs. And what happened was I found that I needed to be creative to help pay for a lot of this because, as you know, rescuing dogs can be quite costly. Oh, yes. And (laughs) between uh, vetting and transport and making connections, it was uh, the bills were starting to really grow. And I decided since jewelry is my business that I would create a line of jewelry dedicated for rescue and helping shelters and especially, you know, shelters that are no-kill and uh, spay-neuter programs and all kinds of wonderful things to help dogs in need. And this jewelry line came about from that, and it has actually been very successful, and it has enabled me to support many wonderful shelters that I work with and also to rescue over 2,000 dogs personally. Personally, oh my goodness, yeah. that's incredible. Yeah. That's like yeah. as much as one rescue could do with a whole team of people. Well, hats <laughs> off to you. So, what's amazing about the jewelry, what the cleverness of it is, it's sterling silver quality, beautiful, beautifully crafted, and their pet-oriented paws and things that look like a pet lover would wear them as a way of expressing their pet lovingness. Oh, Each, right. Yes, it's also gold. It also comes in in yellow gold, white gold, and also pave diamonds. Oh, pardon me. I thought it was starting. That's so cool. Yeah, the price point, the starting price point is $49. And it goes all the way up to a couple of thousand dollars. And um, there's something for everyone in the line. There's a large selection of all kinds of pieces, and we're always changing them and moving them around and creating new ones. And our latest thing that we can do now is make pieces of jewelry for a particular rescue and put their name on it. And we sell it very inexpensively. And what they can do is put it on their website and put it out to their following, and they can make money from it. That's such a great idea, but every single piece of Cause for Paws jewelry that is sold, when the person buys it, you have a way for them if they're buying it online, which the Dog Film Festival has a link to it. The Dog Film Festival is partnering with Cause for Paws so that I can bring this jewelry around the country to people that wouldn't otherwise know about it or have access who want to wear something to show their their appreciation and dedication to rescue and to dogs in general, but also give back to their favorite rescue. And there's a drop-down menu of many different rescues. And um, so when you buy a percentage of it, London Jewelers gives directly to that rescue, right? Yes, yes. Very clever way to make everybody benefit. Yes, we are always thinking about the dogs and and the cats. And um, this... This jewelry in particular is really devoted to helping solely for the purpose of, of animal helping animals. Well, 2,000 dogs already rescued in, I'm sure, not a very long amount of time shows what one person can do. But what's fun is that everyone gets to be in on the action. So the Dog Film Festival website, you'll find Cause for Paws there. You'll also see the Pet Philanthropy Circle is a partner. So you'll know that everything we're doing is to celebrate the love between people and their dogs and the shelters that bring them together. Let's talk about Project Dog House. This is something 
I guess you have more spare time than any nine humans joined together. <laughs> but in addition to everything else, I mean, it I was hard for me to even find Candy on the phone. She was at Palm Beach at some, I don't know, international gathering of luxury jewelers. It's a, a lot goes into running a business and keeping it vibrant. But your passion for, for animals is really quite extraordinary in action, not just in words. And Project Doghouse, the, the Suffolk County SPCA is partnering with you or vice versa with London Jewelers to provide insulated dog igloos, which are the coolest kind of dog houses, which are truly insulated. And the door is kind of at an angle so that cold wind or snow or rain can't go inside. But I just want to remind people about what the Suffolk County SPCA is. It has nothing at all to do with the ASPCA any more than it has to do with the Royal Society of Prevention for Cruelty Animals in England. The Suffolk County SPCA, if you guys remember, many, many years ago when this show was live and you could call in, I did a show about a terrible hoarding incident that happened, I think it was in Hampton Bays, if I recall. And it was only the Suffolk County SPCA that had the physical ability or legal ability to intervene. And the Suffolk County SPCA covers, does it cover the entire county candy and is the only county-funded organization, and not a very big one, not many people, that intercedes in cases of cruelty and abuse and need. Is that right? Yes, but Suffolk County SPCA is mostly worked by volunteers. Oh, my. I didn't know that even. Yes, it's mostly done with volunteers. And uh, it would be nice, of course, to have full-time people working on the project. But because of funding, uh, it's pretty much impossible to do. So they have some wonderful volunteers. They work with the police departments, the fire departments. Um, as a matter of fact, I have a gentleman who works for me who's part of it. Really? Part of their rescue, yes. And um, what we've been doing is... Uh, giving dog houses out to needy recipients. And we've been in partnership with them. We just started. And um, I put in the first 100 pieces, the first 100 dog houses. Um, 50 have been delivered already. The other 50 are on order. And um, what happens is after that, we'll probably be asking for donations for help because there are estimated to be 4,000 dogs in Suffolk County alone oh that live without any protection oh, from the elements. Oh, candy. You know, this is something I found when I moved to Vermont. I was utterly horrified that it is legal, both in Vermont and in Suffolk County, to keep a dog outdoors every single hour of every day of the year. And in Vermont, it's legal to keep them on a chain outdoors. Right, right. So that well, probably this is, is something. It, it's unbelievable. I mean, and yeah, the laws need to be changed. Yes, and of course, that's that is a long and arduous process to be done by those organizations that are geared up to do just that. In the meantime, you have dogs in bitter winter, and yeah. bitter rain, and f- boiling heat who have no yeah. escape from any of it. These dog houses that. You're putting that you've paid to to have volunteers bring. Gosh, I didn't realize it was so volunteer. To those yes. of you still in the East Hampton Village Ambulance that I belong to, and to the fire department in East Hampton and all of the Hamptons towns, I just have to say, we are a beautiful part of the world, the East End of Long Island, because it all of these services are rendered by volunteers. It's mm-hmm. extraordinary how little funding there is in such a very wealthy part of the world, and only the goodness of strangers 
and kind hearts helps these animals. And of course, in the case of other things, keeps buildings from burning down and people from not being in dire medical circumstances. The, the igloos that you picked out, they're referred to in a, in a press release that I read as high end. What's high end about them is that they are very high tech. I think it should say high tech, by the way, because those dog igloos are the best ones I've seen because yeah. the, the, the door kind of has an L shape. And, and to anyone thinking about it, imagine a dog outside, bitter cold, blowing snow or rain. If the door is just flush with the front of it, then it just blows right in. And being around the corner, it traps the warmer air in there and keeps the elements from entering. I guess there are still people who don't let their dogs indoors, I guess. Why, I don't know. But it does happen, and there are many of them there. And the officers will be out there enforcing the pet shelter law, and they will also be issuing summonses or arrests where there are serious violations. But... You know, they can only do so much. That's right. And what, you know, what we decided as Rescue Paw, the foundation has decided, is that they want to protect these animals in need. And they're providing dogs, dog house, these wonderful dog houses to people that really need them and that can use them for their pets. And uh, along with it, we're putting together a humane education program. Nice. I'm on the board of HEART. And HART is a wonderful humane education program that works with uh, police departments, schools, educators from all over, and they have a wonderful program. And I've done some trainings in Nassau County, and now I'm hoping to bring them out to Suffolk County as well. Where is HART based? HART is based, basically it's based in New York, but they do work out of several cities. Uh, they do have Chicago and I think in Oregon. Really? There's, there's a few cities that they work in. And at the time when I was rescuing in the South, we started a program there. So they're really ready to go anywhere and share their program with whoever would like to. They're an amazing group of people dedicated to really helping the animals and the environment alike. And people to, to raise their awareness. I mean, if someone doesn't look yeah. out their window and see a dog shivering and covered in snow, and by the way, you're not in the Yukon in a sled race, so this was right. not the way that animal was intended to live their life. If you can't look out the window and go, what's wrong with this picture? Project Doghouse is there to at least give shelter to the dogs, but heart sounds like a really great way to change hearts and minds. If somebody wants to become part of it, learn more about it, maybe volunteer, be an educator, go somewhere. How do they, is it, it's obviously the word heart. Is it all capitals with dots in between yes, and it stands for something? Capital H-E-A-R-T. It's all caps. All right. And I'll you find can a go link online. To it. I'll find yes. a link to it and I'll put it with the podcast of this show. And after we speak, I'll also um, be sure to get the name of someone from heart from you so that I can invite them on the show. I think the My more pleasure. the more people that get public, um, you know, pat on the back because that's really all we can give you guys is a hearty handshake. I mean, of course, mm-hmm. some people Thank could you. also join you or give you some money. But the hearty handshake goes a long way, too, in my view. You know, I think to be to be told this matters to us. Thank you for letting us know. Thank you for doing this. Thank you for doing it because you wake up in the morning thinking about it and you find ways to do it. And public approval or a 
appreciation is just a complete gravy bonus, but so deserved, Candy. I think the multiple ways in which you personally are are changing situations one dog at a time is really remarkable. I think it's so easy to get discouraged. You know, you look at the big picture, 4,000 dogs living outside unsheltered. But you know what? There's now going to be 100 dogs that are going to have a much better spring into summer. And after that, there'll be another 100 and then another 100. And with heart and other educational work, maybe for every doghouse you put in, maybe there's a family that will let their dog inside, at least at night. You know, I mean, well, hopefully with the humane education training, that's what we're hoping to come about. Yes, and and everything in the end of the day is is learning. You can't it's believe all anybody tied together. Yeah, you wouldn't believe anybody is being cruel on purpose. It's just plum ignorance, and yeah. and that's true of in so many ways. I also want to say that ARF is going to be the beneficiary of the Dog Film Festival in the Hamptons, the party that Pet Philanthropy Circle is throwing in Watermill on um, July 31st, which is a Sunday, it's going to be a high tea pooch party where the wonderful trunk show will be with all the cause for paws jewelry at every price level. Um, ARF is going to be a recipient of the the ticket sales at Guild Hall on August. They're a wonderful shelter. I've worked with them in the past and they are amazing. Aren't they? And And they've got a new director and they've got a new Mm -hmm. wing for transport animals so they can bring more of those pets from the South who are the most in need of housing. So it's really wonderful that so many do-gooders are kind of making a circle of goodness, joining hands and saying, you know, together we can make a lot of difference. Together we can really move this rock uphill. So I, I feel really lucky to have such wonderful on-the-ground partners in the Hamptons. And I guess Thank really anybody who wants to just go to London Jewelers on Long Island, in East Hampton or, or Up Island – I'm sure Manhasset. Manhasset, thank you, Manhasset and the fancy mall. Um, I would say <laughs> that you you should definitely check out the cause for Paws Jewelry. You know, if you have a birthday coming up for somebody or 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 as someone used to say to me about London Jewelers, go to the I'm sorry counter at London Jewelers. That's for guys <laughs> that have misbehaved or gals. Go to the I'm sorry counter and if you want to give an I'm sorry gift to somebody, think first about cause for pause because so much good will be done and probably put a smile on your sweetheart's face as well. Candy, I look forward to having a lot of fun there with you doing good Thank deeds and, and continuing to let everybody know about all the great things you're doing. And and anyway, you know, in the end of the day, any organization, any group, any business that is doing good is where the rest of us should come and show our support. And part of that is economic. And part of it is just to go in and say, hi, I heard about Hard. I heard about Project Doghouse. What can I do? I want to buy an igloo. You know, it can be as simple as that. So Candy's right that would there be wonderful. on Long Island. If you want to buy a, an igloo doghouse, one house, just go right in there. And I'm sure there's a way you can write a check and one more dog will be in from the cold. Thank you Absolutely. so much, Candy. Checks can go to the Rescue Paw Foundation Project Doghouse. Perfect. All right. So I'm going to give links to all that info so that people that want to join you in doing good. If you're feeling all warm and fuzzy right now hearing this interview, then act now. Don't go out and get yourself that fancy cappuccino and forget all about it. (laughs) Do something now. Thank you. Help an animal in need. Exactly. And then go have some fun yourself. Have a great rest of the day, Candy. Wonderful talking to you. Okay. Thank you so much. Of course. Bye-bye. 
This show is made possible in part by Precious Cat Litter, owned by Dr. Elsie, a feline-only veterinarian in Colorado who has created innovative litters for the health of all members of the family, with low-dust litters that allow everyone to breathe easier. Precious Cat's newest health monitor litter has broken new ground by allowing people to find the early signs of kidney disease in their kitty cats and intervene before damage is done, prolonging the quality and length of a cat's life. This show is also brought to you with the generous support of Nordic Naturals, omega-3 fish oil products that provide dogs and cats with the same premium quality omega-3 fish oils as for people. Research shows that even the best diets are deficient in the essential fatty acids found in omega-3 oils. However, all fish oil is not created equal. The Nordic Naturals difference is that their oil comes from Norway where they use responsibly sourced healthy wild fish and third-party testing to guarantee purity and freshness. I am back with a woman who I am totally mesmerized by. She's in Australia, so we're talking at a completely different time than when you're hearing this. Her name is Marta Roca, and she's the creative director of, I dare say, a magazine, but it's not like anything you ever saw before. It's called Four and Sons, the number four spelled out in Sons, another completely baffling name for it. It came into my inbox about a year ago, and I was just mesmerized. It was dogs in videos, dogs in fine art, dogs in museums, dogs in ceramic works, dogs on textiles, products made for dogs all over the world, Australia, England, uh, France, Italy, America. So I've got her here to explain what Foreign Sons is and why I think more dog lovers might love to immerse themselves in the wonders that Marta has found. Marta, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me. Well, it's, did people think you were a bit of a nut starting a very expensive-looking, glossy magazine just about dogs? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there was a mix, mix um, back of reactions. There was a lot of people that surprisingly said, oh, I can't believe this magazine is not already out there. Like, there's so many people that would appreciate the content. There's a lot of people that would, you know, understand the sensibility. People that, um, a lot of, lot of dog people, um, it's very passionate about art, culture. Yes, um, yes. Anything else. So a lot of people was like, are you sure this hasn't been published before? And then there was definitely another part of the people that, you know, commented on, on the whole thing that was very much on the side of, is this just some sort of trend? Suddenly, you know, dogs are like being super popular and they couldn't quite understand if it was, um, it was a genuine kind of um, approach to publishing um, a magazine that would bring all of those interests together into one place. So, um, yes, a lot of different reactions, which made it very, very interesting as well. It makes you think about um, um, why we're doing what we're doing in different ways. Yes, and and this is similar for me. People that already know about Dog Talk as a radio show that focuses on everything about dogs, yours being incredibly visual, mine being entirely, you know, auditory. The, the The people that might not be totally dog people or even that are, they're like, what? You mean the dogs talk? Oh, come on, stop. So it's nine years later, and people, of course, love this show because they love dogs. And so I bring them ideas and people and thought leaders 
from across the world. But what you do is so intensely visual, and a lot of the people that listen to this show are artists themselves of one variety or another. And you're a designer. I mean, you're the, you're, you call yourself the creative director, but if anybody wants to go to the website of the number four ampersand sons, you'll see that Marta is kind of, to me, a mysterious, like, hidden behind the scenes doing this magic. It's not like, hey, I'm, I'm the top dog here. It's like she's the creative director, and everyone else is described, Marta, very interestingly as well. But you're a designer by day, if you will, or by night. And, and a lot of what you've found are things that I can't imagine how and where you found them. And it's really hard to give a comprehensive sense of that when talking about it. But you've found movies, some of which I've looked at to consider for the Dog Film Festival. You have art shows around the world. I mean, you know, Jeff Koontz and the Big Puppy, people go, oh, yeah, I know, Jeff Koontz and the Big Puppy. But it's really much more eclectic and much more hidden gems. How did you go about finding them once you embarked on this wonderful adventure? Um, well, at the beginning, it was very much um, just a full sort of researching on the net, um, just looking at artists that I personally love, or photographers, or writers, or whatever, and kind of go, oh, I wonder if they've ever uh, touched on that subject ah um, so it was very much like i wonder if um this filmmaker is um ever approached that subject or if they have a dog themselves or and there was a lot of that kind of stuff going on just sort of trying to find those hidden treasures um then as we kind of um spread the word of what we were doing then um a lot of our contributors would also be doing their yes. own little research yes. They're all hunting, hunting missions. Yes. And, and now as we are growing and we're getting a little bit more, um, we're getting a bit better known, we are lucky enough that we get content sent to us. Yes, I can so imagine. Getting, yes. Yes. So now there's photographers or there's illustrators or whoever that would say, hey, I'm doing this project. Um, here's a few images. We'd like to hear what you think. Um we try to answer to everyone. We try to, you know, encourage everyone. Sometimes it does fit with our um, approach and our aesthetics. That's great because we can bring it into, you know, like share the love. Yes. Um, sometimes it's just a hit and miss. Um, yes. But it is very interesting how, um, I guess, it's shifting a little bit from like it was just um, myself or myself with some of the contributors to... Um, now I have even friends that would just find something randomly and they would just email me. And I'm sure that the contributors get the same from their own um, networks. So we're slowly, slowly spreading our kind of reach, if you... When I first... And, and, and well done to do it that way and not try to reach the whole world at once. A couple mm. of questions. Your beautiful accent. What is your country of origin? Oh, I'm from Barcelona. So... Are you? And so why are you in Australia? Yes, so I'm based in Melbourne. I um, I came to Australia to visit a friend, and um, I fell in love with an Australian man. So, Aha! So it's a little bit of when Harry met Sally at this end. Oh, that's <laughs> wonderful. Was he a dog lover? Is he a dog lover? Yes, he actually grew up with Labradors all his life, so um, he's a big Labrador man, yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> wonderful, because one of the films that... that the, the great thing about what you send around by email, 
and I'm sure your list grows in all the, the amazing ways that email lists can grow, is you do send trailers and links to some of the videos that you found. And I imagine if one is a subscriber, they can see the full thing on your website or perhaps see it in a museum or a theater or even in something like my dog film festival. But one of them was about the Galgos dogs. And I, and I thought, well, this is a very, you know, sort of Iberian Spanish kind of bent. Was that something that you knew about the racing of the greyhound type dogs? Yes. I mean, I did, I did know about the absolutely disgraceful situation of how, yes, how the old greyhound dogs that obviously are getting older and they're not useful to um, hunters or to farmers anymore are just basically discarded like, well, like if they were not a feeling being. Right. um, So I didn't, I did know the situation. Uh, We actually, um, yeah, there's, there's the film that you're talking about. There's been some photographic, beautiful um, photo essays made about the whole situation also. So, it's a good way to reach the community. Like, um, um, it's it's not. We have to be careful about how we um, talk about these things because none of um, us is an expert on the on the subject. So I've always tread very carefully. But I I do like the idea of putting things out there and for people to think for themselves. Or for even it would be great that at least it becomes a bit of a forum. For this kind of um, for this kind of situations, so yeah, we we and of course, yeah, for me it was especially poignant because yes. you know it's like uh, the kind of the dirty laundry that happens in my country. Well, um, uh, we, we, the, the greyhound racing um, in the United States and and in Hong Kong and other places is possibly even more disgraceful because it's mm. on a much larger scale. So don't feel too bad. Man's inhumanity <laughs> to dog is fairly international, and I think that that's a very small wedge of misery compared to maybe some of the larger ones. Uh, one of the ways in which you describe in, in, the, in the, the very small and modest um, little bio of yourself on the website is that the magazine is about the strange and wonderful bond between dogs and humans and the Dog Film Festival, and, and to a different degree, this radio show. I, I say it's about the remarkable bond between dogs and their people. Is yes. this something that you've just thought about more and more as you grew and lived on the planet and it just fascinated you? Because I think that's happened for me. There are people whose dogs are very central to their lives, but they may not stop and think, as maybe you or perhaps I do, to step back and go, whoa, look at society. Look how this is shifting. This is not a flash-in-the-pan trendy thing. This is really where the human-canine relationship has been heading slowly but surely, right? Yes, I, I have to say that like I fell into this project a little bit by accident through a friend who is for me the ultimate, ultimate dog lady. I mean and when we started this project together, um she sadly couldn't carry on with the project because she had another business um that was in very early stages. But it did open my eyes completely. Like I had always looked at things like, oh, yeah, I love dogs. And, you know, this is um, a really beautiful example of, like, yes, you know, how humanity can bring the best out of themselves. And there's a lot of, obviously, things that touch on that, the things that we always immediately think about, like, you know, loyalty and, um, you know, trust. And, and then as we started to 
obviously find more and more content and um, interviewing people that um, they do work related with, you know, they're inspired by dogs or that they, they, you know, have dogs or they grew up with dogs. And every time that I thought, I think I understand pretty much everything now. Everyone will say something, will phrase something in a particular way that pretty much will put me back to, to you know, to square yes. one. Like I have yes. no idea. Like we, we've touched in like, um, obviously we've touched what we were saying, you know, those kind of um, more universally discussed attributes. But when we, you know, when we go deeper and then you just um, start seeing how things things are that sign of the times you know things that right. just basically makes you realize what is exactly what you're saying what is happening how are we shifting in the way that we do things and how is people being more aware of the impact that we have on um not just dogs or like but just in nature or like the environment i mean there's everything starts being interconnected and and it's i've learned very very much about just humanity about doing this project like I come from a background where my my design practice is probably a bit more on the serious side, right? Um, and this is just open, a much softer, much more, um, you know, comes from from the guts and it comes from the heart. It's, uh, you know, it is intellectual, of course, but it comes from a different place as well. Well, uh, you know, you, you obviously have a lot of education, and I mean that, you know, in the best sense of the word, a lot of education in terms of culture and art, because. The sensibility is there. The heart is there. But but what has astounded me each time that I get one of these emails, and now I finally, and I cannot recommend highly enough to everybody else, I've actually subscribed to it. I don't know why I thought just looking at this tasty email with a little bite of this and a little bite of that, like, you know, empanadas or something was enough. It's not. <laughs> but but I think what's, what's extraordinary is how many artists and how many medium are incorporating dogs in their work and they're serious artists you know yes. it, there may be a little frivolous side but the ceramicists and there's the photographers that you have from all over the world and some are video artists and some are still photographers yeah. and some are that kind of i don't know what the proper word is in the art world manipulated photographs you know that maybe are colored or they move or something yeah, like collages or yeah yes yeah they're so incredible and okay so what is the name foreign sons whatever oh. does that mean <laughs> we i was i had this thing when when we started the project that because um um there is a, a huge part huge percentage of like what from the outside, people think about the dog world, which is a bit connects back to your first question of who people think we're crazy. Because a right. lot of people has only the perception of like, you know, a few little things of like people dressing their dogs in silly right. ways or, right. um, you know, things that can be really tacky and demeaning. Um, I was really, really careful that we were not going to be put on um, that same bag, and we really wanted to explore um, dogs as the muse for many, many people in many, many ways. And so we kind of like were really shy from having a name that was very obviously dog-related. So we kind of thought, well, I mean, we always describe, not always, but um, the whole thing of four-legged friends is very used for, um, you know, uh -huh. the 
So, right. yeah, so the word four came from the idea of the four legs. And the sons was because we, we kind of wanted to, to say, we are a serious magazine. We actually want you to enjoy, to make you think, to, you know, make you find all these treasures, all these beautiful, I mean, just very exciting, visually um, interesting content. So, so it was a little bit obscure, but it was a little bit like this is, this is, we think that this says what we're trying to do. We're not obvious, um, and we are, you know, we're subtle, and we just want people to make their own interpretations, too. Yes, and not, and not lead them by the nose, excuse the expression, but let them, <laughs> let them discover, as you have discovered. Have, have you found uh, that your readership is growing in terms of subscriptions outside of Australia? Yes, Basically, our biggest market, I mean, I guess it's, it's hard to define. I mean, if as a country, the U.S. is our bigger, um, this is where most of our subscribers are, then um, Australia is probably the second one, again, as a country. But then as, a, as an area, um, Europe is really, really catching up really no fast. No kidding. I'll yes. be darned. Yes. And especially like countries like... Um, like Germany, like um, Scandinavian countries, like people that even if they're not speaking English every day, that basically like language is not an issue for them. That's right. That's right, because it's visual, and there are so many great architects and designers and uh, painters of various kinds or or artists in in various forms. You, You have textile artists whose work you've shown. It's really, and you even have companies that do beautiful artisanal work, like they make great, suitcases or beautiful bicycles and they happen to make an exquisite dog collar so suddenly that will be in there amongst other things it's just these little these little treasury gems that are in there Uh, mel i've been told that sydney is a dog crazy city Uh, is that true of melbourne also i i was i was the judge of a pug uh, a pug tea party in england a few (laughs) years ago that was for the the pug rescue the royal pug whatever and these gentlemen had flown over with their pugs from Sydney with costumes because they, but they were one of them was a milliner like a milliner to the queen yeah and so for them to build a costume was actually an architectural event i mean if only i'd known about foreign sons you completely would have wanted these these were not costumes like little bo peep this was like the whole london tube was three pugs and that had the jubilee on the side and the olympics and it was oh. kind of wonderful and they said that sydney is just dog mad and particularly pugs is that true or do they have a a, a very uh, skewed lens on it oh uh, i would probably say um definitely um Definitely a dog crazy city. So is Melbourne. So is like I think a lot of Australians that um, have grew up like grew up with dogs. So I think it's. I mean, it's not like unfortunately, it's not like some places in the U.S. where you can take dogs into like um, restaurants or. Well, you can't. You can't here. Don't 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 believe what you read. I okay. mean, if they have a <laughs> if they have a patio outside, there's no place in the United States you can bring a dog inside a restaurant. Right. You can in France, you can in Italy to a lesser yes. degree. Yes. In America, you can take them to an outdoor patio, though, or a, yes. a, a coffee cafe. Yes, which is that's what's happening more and more. Um, but it is really, it's just people, um, you know, grew up with dogs. People understand um, their relationship. People will tell stories about um you know, just their neighbors. Like it is like uh, you know, me growing up, growing up in Barcelona. You know, we lived in an apartment, and so there was not many of my friends, 
not even I that grew up with a dog. So when I, when I see a country where that is part of how people learn to, you know, care for another being or, you know, understand concepts of loyalty or it's, it's actually, I find it really touching. And I, I wish, oh, that's... I, yeah, I wish I had been brought up with like having a pet that you kind of, you know, you just learn a lot of um, lessons that, that you're going to carry through your life from, from the onset. Um, don't worry, don't worry, Marta. I think you're making up for lost time. <laughs> you don't have you don't have a lost childhood. You have to recapture. In fact, as we wrap up, there's a, a movie in the film festival called Valentina, in okay. Spanish. I believe it was made in Barcelona, and part of me thinks did I find it through Foreign Sons? Who knows? I'll send you a link to it. It's divine. Yes, Subtitles all in Spanish with this little pug that brings a couple back together. It's so charming and funny. And it's, <laughs> you'd love it. You'll see there, there are dogs in Barcelona now. Marta Roca, what, what a wonderful magazine. I, I really hope that this brings foreign sons to the, the awareness of many more people. Even those who don't have dogs who listen to this show, you will love it. If you just like art or design or architecture or photography or anything to do with visual delights. No dogs are required to enjoy this magazine. Marta, thank you so much for spending time with us. Maybe there's a way I can get you to New York for the Dog Film Festival. It's kind of a long way. But we will talk about this after. That would be wonderful. It would be great (laughs) fun. Thank Thank you so much. And keep up the good work because it is greatly appreciated over here. And I'm sure over there and over everywhere. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Take care. Bye-bye. We'll be right back after this quick word. This show is brought to you with the generous support of Halo, holistic, natural cat and dog foods, which are made from real ingredients you can recognize. Halo uses real meat in their kibble, no rendered byproducts, chicken meal, or chemicals. And their new grain-free recipes like Vigor give you even more healthy choices for your pet's dinner, while Daily Greens brings vitamins and digestive enzymes into your dog's diet. Halo is a private company partly owned by Ellen DeGeneres, where they emphasize giving back by making donations to shelters through freekibble.com for pets awaiting a forever home. I am back with Jason Hurwitz, the producer and writer of The Dog Wedding. Those of you that saw the Oscars fairly recently saw that the Writer Awards were some of the early ones. As a fellow member of the WGA, I just want to remind you all that there would never be a movie without words on the page. That's where it all starts. And Jason had one crazy idea. Jason, welcome to the show. Tracy, great to speak with you. The Dog Wedding is a wonderful movie. It's a wonderful-looking movie. It looks like a real grown-up, brand-fresh, spankin'-new, sparkly movie. And that's just great. We don't get that many movies with dogs featured in them. And, and the English Bulldogs are quite gorgeous. How did you wind up picking that breed as your, as your um, wedding couple? Well, we, uh, you know, it works for the story. Uh, when you get into these two characters that... Uh, uh, that meet uh, you know, very driven people, maybe stubborn people, a German businesswoman, an American pro wrestler, two totally opposite people, but yet they have the same dog breed, and that says something about them, why they chose yes, yes. Uh, why they chose bulldogs. And bulldogs, of course, you know, that's the, the stereotype or, or, or of what people might say about them, but they're so cuddly and lovable once you get to know them. Uh, so it really fit, and uh, our... Our, one of our stars, uh, Matthew Bloom, he's a pro wrestler with the WWE. He had bulldogs his whole life. So as we were working with him, and what would be natural and I what see. you know, a, a fit on screen and off screen. 
So he was just so familiar with the breed. So let's talk about WWE. I remember years ago going to this, supposedly, I think, the oldest dog show in America at the Long Island Arboretum, the ladies, the ladies Village Dog Show or something, very grand, from like the 1800s. And there was a gal there that had a Chinese powder puff crested uh-huh. dog, and she did the press for WWE, or very much in the press part of WWE. And that was the first time I thought, oh, dog people and wrestling people. What what a funny combination. But, <laughs> but world wrestling, WWE, I think is, you probably know the statistics, one of the most, the most successful, popular, crowd-pleasing sport event, if you can call it that, in our country. People are mad for it, aren't they? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, for decades now, uh, totally uh, dedicated uh, fan base. They, their show WWE Raw, which is on, uh, it's like the anchor program for USA Network. It's been on Monday nights, 8 to 11 p.m. for wow, I think, I didn't 20 even years now. And it's, it's a number one show on USA Network. It draws wow. 4 million people a week. And they're, so, they're one of the top companies on social media. Uh, was that one of your thoughts in having that as being one of your characters? You thought, well, I got four million people a week that are going to come see this movie. That's 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 one thing I got nailed because <laughs> well, he's a big to... star. I mean, was that part of it? Uh, I'd love to claim the business spark, but you know, it starts much earlier than that. Thinking uh, Matthew Bloom and I are. Uh, close friends since kindergarten. Oh, I see. Since five years old. So we spent 10 years working uh, to make this movie. And, you know, it's a a lifelong dream for us. He produced it with me and our director, James Lefkowitz. Yeah. So, uh, so it was always part of the thinking and, uh, well, it fit, you know, the Bulldogs fit with his life. And and we asked this question, how would a pro wrestler and a German businesswoman ever meet? You know, and it's really just just through the dog park. It's interesting you draw the parallel to wrestling, uh, you know, not to give too much of the movie away, but the wrestler character. His mother was a pro wrestler played by Queen Kong, who was a legendary uh, and pioneering uh, pro wrestler. Really? And in the story, she's the inventor of the dog wedding. And there's a fit there in terms of, you know, the form of entertainment. And in, in the story, Queen Kong would come to your backyard and marry your dog yes. in, a, in a fun ceremony. And, uh, you know, there's a carnival-like atmosphere to it. And that's you know, kind of the roots of wrestling is in the carnivals. So, um, you know, hopefully you know, the movie plays a fun and uh, oh, very you know, nice fun. lighthearted movie. But, uh, you know, if you, if you examine each of these characters, uh, I think people will find it rewarding that, that this is all, uh, you know, it's a whole sort of sensible backstory here for well, everybody. The, I, because there's, there is a, a genuine solid script to it. The WWE fans, is Matthew Bloom one of the big stars in, the, in that world? Like, is he one of the shining cherries on top of the Sunday? Yeah, well, he has, for 15 years, he's been with WWE and a group called New Japan Pro Wrestling. And right now, actually just recently, Matthew was made the head coach of uh, what's called WWE NXT. NXT, like next, it's the next generation of talent. And that's the anchor programming for the WWE Network. And uh, so he's essentially running that for WWE. It's one of their fastest growing uh, divisions. The WWE Network has a million subscribers. So uh, he's a very important guy within the WWE. And I guess there's no point in asking, how did you know or how did the director know he could be an actor? Because a lot of WWE is that carnival atmosphere. 
although they can get hurt, a lot of it is acting, right? A lot of it's like stunt double work, except for that there's no double. Right. Well, what we know about Matthew is, I mean, he is, uh, he played a heel in wrestling. Uh, so he's six seven, three sixty, 360, tattooed, and at first look, you know, looks like a biker hell's angel. Yes, but he's yes. the sweetest, nicest, most lovable guy. He's so endearing in the film. And we knew that about him. And our director, James Leskowitz, just did an incredible job stripping everything away, any sense of character, any acting, and got him very close to just being himself. And uh, so we didn't let him take any acting lessons. Uh, we just wanted the real Matthew. Because uh, you've known him forever. So to you, you wanted, you were writing, absolutely writing to that guy, to that human. It's correct. It's correct, yeah. And, and, and we got him. It's, you know, it's great. And we paired him, like it's crazy, the, you know, the reigning best actress in Germany is Rosalie Tomas, and that's who oh. he's paired with in the film. She just won best actress for a film called uh, Greetings from Fukushima. No um, kidding. Which, She's a uh, big star in Germany? I didn't yeah, know yeah. that. Yeah, well, this is actually her U.S. premiere. So she said that you wouldn't. Oh, thanks. Yes, she's uh, phenomenal. So, yeah, this combination of uh, classically trained dramatic German actors with a pro wrestler, uh, it creates a culture clash. And it's fun. I don't think it's anything anybody's ever seen before. Uh, Only, uh, you know, only a film about dog weddings, I think, maybe would dare try it. Well, let me ask you, if if she is a huge award-winning serious actress in Germany, what lighthearted part of her existed that she decided, okay, I could do like, you know, Shakespeare in the Park or something, or I could do a dog wedding with the biggest WWE wrestler, biggest <laughs> on many levels. What, what do you think allowed her to, to let her hair down and do something so playful and goofy? Well, she's daring, and I'll tell you, she, you know, when she saw the first cut of the film, she, she was so happy and said, you know, oh my, you know, I didn't know I could be funny. Isn't and that because they do, they do a lot of serious, uh, you know, the way the whole German film industry is structured, maybe the interests over there are, uh, is less comedy. Um, and uh, it's interesting, this film, the Fukushima film that I mentioned, uh, Variety just reviewed it and praised her for her, uh, it's a very serious film, but you know, has, in its light moments, praised her for her comedic timing. Isn't that uh, funny? So, so she, she didn't even know she discovered it working with us. And, uh, and then she brought, uh, it, she brought it to a dark film. Yeah, now, yeah, what about yeah, the dogs? Yeah. Who are those dogs? Who owns them? How many doubles did you have to have? They're really cool dogs. Uh, well, uh, no doubles. We scheduled very really? carefully. Yeah, we had, uh, uh, in fact, on site the whole time was their owner, uh, a couple named Barry and Rebecca Limecooler, um, out of uh, here in the Phoenix area, okay. and uh, we shot entirely on location around Scottsdale and Phoenix, and we did a you know all-encompassing search for uh, for bulldogs in the area. They had never made a movie these dogs or really? or the couple, and they put in so much uh, you know extra training with the dogs. They learned the whole script. They practiced the scenes with them, and the dogs were were terrific. They had done some, uh, been in some shows, uh, the dogs, so they, you know, they were well-trained. and uh, But and, not with and, cameras and lights and action and retakes and humans <laughs> milling around, yelling and screaming and carrying on. That's pretty amazing. They seem to be veteran actors. I wonder about the German actress. Was she worried about being upstaged by a dog? Isn't the, isn't the group <laughs> don't get on the screen or on the stage with a dog or a child? And she had two of the most adorable dogs. Yeah. 
for her American uh, debut. She she certainly has a lot of courage. Yeah, she's she's courageous. So uh, and that may happen from scene to scene, which is unavoidable, but not because uh, the acting isn't magnificent. That, that's amazing. Did you suit in, in the months in Arizona that are cool? Because I'm surprised they own bulldogs in such a boiling hot state when th- that breed of dog has all those issues with overheating. You know, we were surprised there are so many bulldogs in Arizona. No kidding. So popular. And then we shot in late October and November. So it, Not an it, issue. it wasn't an issue, but we always had uh, a cool area to go and places to take breaks and, you know, just in case we never, we never had any issue at, at all, but in the summer, you know, uh, it's, uh, it's kind of wild. There are a lot of bulldogs they probably in, just in, in Arizona. Indoor, they stay, indoor play. They stay in the AC. Yeah. I think a lot of humans do too. Does Matthew <laughs> yeah. still have bulldogs himself? Matthew Bloom, the star, the, how many pounds did you say he was? 300 and what? Six foot seven, three hundred sixty pounds. Oh my goodness gracious! He does look really big, but you know you can never can tell compared to what. Jeepers! Yeah. Does he still have bulldogs himself, or he only had them earlier in his life? Oh no, a bulldog and a mastiff. Oh well, though, I mean the mastiff is more suited to his size. Like the biggest dog that could breathe would seem like a lap dog to him. Well, <laughs> maybe. Size wise, I, I, size I don't wise. want to say he plays favorites, but but. Uh, he's a real natural with the bulldogs. I, I guess he would be. Did, when he was young and growing up, was he bigger than all you guys? Was he stronger? I mean, at what point did he become a world wrestling star? Uh, uh, you know, I don't know. I suppose that there's a lot of huge linebacker types in football who started out like everybody else and at some point just became humongous and powerful and strong and trained. At what point well, in your friendship did you say, Hey, Matthew's going in a different direction than the rest of us. <laughs> well, he was the biggest, strongest since you know since first grade. That was uh, clear. And in high school, he was nationally recruited. He was an offensive lineman at the University of Pittsburgh. No kidding. Uh, he, he blocked for uh, Curtis Martin, who was a running back wow. and played for the Patriots and Jets, is in the Football Hall of Fame. And uh, after his uh, football scholarship, he started teaching for a year back in Massachusetts where we grew up and he met Killer Kowalski who was a, you know, since the forties, fifties legendary pro wrestler and trainer and, uh, went under his wing. And so probably from the age of 23 was on this track now after football to become a pro wrestler. Now, when you think about football being dangerous, we, one used to think the big danger was the joints, mostly the knees and the shoulders, and now we know about concussions. What about in the world wrestling? I mean, not to have some socio-scientific conversation about it, but you, there is wrestling in the movie. D- did you watch and think, ouch, ooh, I mean, th- what I've watched, it, I'm like, ah, man, that looks really painful. That can't be all right. I, I know it's well, brilliantly faked, almost like great gymnastics, but is that an issue? Well, it's a big issue. You know, these are professional athletes, and they call it sports entertainment, and it's its own art. But if somebody uh, falls, they fall. And, you know, they work a very – they work a full schedule, you know, year-round. So, you know, I think, think, you know, people, yeah, they think because there's a performance element that there isn't a danger, either an immediate danger or a cumulative danger. But there is, and maybe puts it in perspective to think about – you, know, you hear about dancers and ballerinas, yes. Broadway, Broadway people. That uh, and that makes sense to people that they have uh, they have injuries that accumulate over the years. So, I think wrestling is 
when you think about it like that, it becomes clear that, that yeah, these injuries, uh, they well, mount, and, and it's like professional sports. It is more like professional contact sports, because I can't say that dancing and the sound of music gives me that same kind of like, oh, my God, look what just happened to that guy, as 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 wrestling does. The dogs didn't have to do anything that was too exertional. They, they mostly no. had to be bulldogs walking from point A to B, right? <laughs> Correct, yeah. And, and yeah. having their close-ups. The, the director, was he someone who's ever directed dogs before? You know, uh, he had directed, uh, he had not directed dogs. Uh, he's had animals in all of his films. He had uh, chickens and turtles. As, really? As, uh, as uh, a big part of a film he made called uh, Tijuana Makes Me Happy, which won the Slamdance Film Festival a few years back. Oh, what fun. And so it's uh, it's not the same communication, but right. it's, uh, you know, it's an understanding of uh, the difficulties and, uh, you know, um, that's how people respond to the animals as well. That's that is very cool. I, with the Dog Film Festival, there are some films that are narrative. The documentaries obviously don't involve any acting, but the narrative films do. And many of them are made by people using their own dogs. And I'm always so impressed that they figure out a way to get that dog to not appear to be looking at the trainer or the owner off camera. You know, maybe it's just where the camera is. So the dog seems to be doing his own boogie, not waiting for a command or a cue. And it's, it's it's really fun to see how people include dogs in movies and make them very much one of the actors. I guess Aggie was so famous in The Artist, right? Yes, yeah. I mean, that that was very central. And a, and a small, perky terrier-type breed that always seems more like, you know, your active circus-type dog, whereas the English bulldog seems more like he needs an armchair and a pipe and a smoking <laughs> jacket, right? Right, that's, that, that's right. But, you know, he had... Uh... Uh, you 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 ran a fantastic uh, film festival, so you saw it uh, as you're saying through people's work uh, on film. We got to know uh, we have over a hundred uh, real life uh, dog wedding couples that fill our opening credits of this film. Uh, we actually had a photo contest, which from 14 countries there were entries where real real people sending their real dog oh wedding photos. <laughs> You, we, you get we may to know to, them over time. We may have to include that in the 2016 Dog Film Festival. That's October 15th <laughs> in New York. We may have to have just even just the opening to your movie. We definitely have to weave it in somehow. There's not time for full-length movies, but too much fun. Everyone can go find the dog wedding. You can get it video on demand, right, as well as going to the theater. That's correct. Yep, iTunes, Amazon Video on Demand, all the big platforms. Fantastic. I think it's great, wonderful for kids, wonderful for everybody, and just a delightful way to celebrate the dogs in the lives of people that don't resemble us in any way, but their love for their dogs is very reminiscent. Thank you so much, Jason. Congratulations on a 10-year labor of love that's turned out so very well. Thank you, Tracy. Great speaking with you. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you all for listening. Kiss your kitties, hug your pooches, and we'll be back next week.